Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan! Cam! Slam! Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Welcome to the first TFS pod of college football 2022. Yep, it's finally game week. First, a few condolences for the week. RIP Tom Weiskopf, who along with other great career notes, was designer of my career low round course at Forest Dunes among scores of other classics, a few here in Michigan as well. RIP, too, to the three Indiana State Sycamore football players who died over the weekend in a fiery crash just outside of Terre Haute, Indiana. And also another very puzzling young athlete in his prime, gone, in linebacker Luke Knox. I believe Florida Atlantic or Florida International, one of the two, transferred from Ole Miss, 21, 22 years old. How much you want to bet we find out this 12% max efficacious vaccine is to blame for young athletes dropping? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. It's been happening a lot. Also, on a semi-political note, really, Joe and Kamala? You're sending Dennis Rodman to free up the anti-American who's serving time for breaking the law in another country? Maybe we'd be better off with Dennis as leader of the greatest country in the free world. Shout out to the Lions, who somehow didn't blow their preseason game this past weekend, despite trying really hard to do so. Plenty going on these days, so let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, uh, we'll talk Michigan State here, because we won't really talk about it all later. Um, position changes. Mel came on his weekly uh, Monday press conference and was asked about, oh, has any guys changed positions? There have been a few. Davion Prim, who we talked about in the running back segment um, about a probably month, a little over a month ago, um, and Mel raved about him in the spring, saying he's running hard, doing really well. He now plays cornerback, a position that he played a little bit last year, was moving back and forth, was injured, <clears throat> but he's at corner. Um, then Hamp Fay, former quarterback, is now a safety, six foot five. That's interesting. Played receiver in high school, a little bit of safety as well. So. I don't know. He's a good athlete. So going to the special teams there. a lot, too, I read. Uh, and then uh, Dylan Tatum, he was playing, I don't remember if it was corner to safety or safety to corner. Safety to corner. Safety to corner. Um, fast guy, freshman, probably redshirt anyway. But that just shows that Michigan State's doing their best to try to get guys on the field. I would love to see them put Davian Prim um, as a kick returner because, you know what, he's a fast guy. He's a running back. He has a vision. Put him on the field if he's talented. I've, I've talked about that for a long time. Put guys that don't play a ton that are fast and athletic guys, that return guy, if they have vision, let him go. 
That's why Faye is moving from quarterback. I mean, he got passed by Hauser already, um, you know, and he just wants to get on the field. And look, whether some of these guys transfer or not, the bottom line is you get your really good athletes on the field in some way, shape, or form. Faye was with the special teams before he moved over to safety. Um, you know, it's a way Drew to kind Stanton of action. yeah, Drew Stanton action. He did it. It's it's a way to um, you know kind of circumvent so many guys going to the transfer portal. Speaking of which, not not that this is my podium, but I read today that um, Ben Summerman is going gangbusters and had a great scrimmage as a linebacker. Here's a guy who was ready to leave. So, um, you know, they're building quality depth and they're moving guys and pieces and parts around. You can never have enough corners, especially in Mel's mind as a former corner himself. Um, Hey, look, if you're not going to play at one position, show you got the mentality to play another position. If you're talented, you're talented. If you're smart, you're smart. Good move for these young guys. All right, for me, for my podium, it is easy to pick on what's wrong in sports or with sports fans, like guys with remote control golf balls thinking they're cute in the midst of a key golf round, but we'll get to that in a second. But the story of the girl who handed Justin Thomas and John Rahm each a hand-drawn and colored picture with a handwritten message of inspiration on the back this weekend in Wilmington, Delaware at the BMW, demonstrates that what these athletes do is not lost on people, particularly the young. For what it's worth, here's what was said in the notes, because if you're not really necessarily somebody who subscribes to a golf magazine or whatever, you wouldn't necessarily see these. The one, the JT, and again, she kind of hand-drew, I think both of them were horses, she hand-drew something um, and then wrote hand-wrote these messages. Not typed or anything, I don't remember how old the girl was, maybe 11 or something like that. But the JT has said, to whoever I give this to, I wish you good luck in your golf adventures. You were chosen by the universe to play golf. And it starts the same way um, for John Rahm, too, for the beginning. The reason why you are here is to change people's lives through golf. You inspire thousands or even millions of people around the world. If you ever feel sad or want to give up, things will get better. Don't get distracted by fans yelling stupid things. She didn't say stupid. I said stupid. Like mashed potatoes or get in the hole. Focus on yourself and you'll be just fine. That's from like an 11-year-old. No, Siri, I'm not going to repeat that. For John Rama, it's very similar about, you know, the you were being kind of chosen by the universe. Same exact words. You inspire thousands or even millions of play. And she says, if you feel sad or want to give up, remember that things will get better. Life is like a hard golf course with lots of obstacles, but even if the course is hard, that won't stop you from winning. Here's a thought. Maybe we should start a program where kids can volunteer to do this for all athletes in all sports and better demonstrate that they were given a gift to make millions playing games and they need to keep it all in better perspective. It works with the golfers, tugs at the heartstrings. Why not give these to some of these other prima donna athletes? Maybe stuff or a, a, a charity or an organization, maybe I'll start it myself, like this can shut up the LeBrons and the Megan, Rip, Rip, I don't even know how you say her name, rainbow color hair who thinks that it's okay for dudes to play women's soccer or stop the Deshaun Watsons from their stupidity. Hey, a guy can dream, right? Kudos to that girl. I think her name was Bay, or at least they called her Bay, B-A-Y. Um, classy, classy move. Good job by your parents. We need more kids like that in sports. All right, for the tee-up, kind of mentioned this a little bit, but in the 
realm of real men of idiocy. I'm looking at you, Mr. Remote Control Golf Ball Guy. I did not see this live. I don't remember what we were doing when this happened, but Saturday, somehow some dude got in the ropes. I've seen some TikToks with dads, you know, with a remote control golf ball. You control it with your, your phone. It's funny. Um, not so funny in, in an, an extremely important tournament when, you know, you got a twosome of guys that are in contention to win, you know, trying to move up the FedEx leaderboard, trying to get in better position for this weekend. And yet somehow a guy like that sneaks past security and is allowed to just kind of F with things for a while on the green. Rory was not amused. He finally, he like batted it away a few times and finally like cupped the ball, picked it up and chucked it into the water. Good for him. Good for him but come on. Like for the, for every young fan like there is that wrote those inspiring notes, there's a bunch of meathead a-holes like this guy who screams stupid stuff at things, who get too drunk to know how to behave. Look, you can have fun without being disruptive and without being a jackass. I suggest that dude who did this, you be one of them. Grow up. You know, how would you like it if somebody came to your job and did that? Think about it that way. You're in the midst of a really important presentation and somebody did that? That's a jackass move. Get out of here. You're teed up. All right. Four downs this week. We're going to go over to the realm of professional football, the NFL for first down. Ryan being the resident Lions fan now, they have not made final cutdowns. I think they go from 85 to 80 yep. this week, and then the huge cut is by August Next 30th, yep. uh, where they've got to get from 80 to 53, which, if you watch the Lions on Sunday, hey, Saturday, Hall. you know, it's per- primarily a second and third string guys out there. Um, it's going to be tough. There's going to be some tough decisions. There's some guys that are... You know, they'll have one more chance here this coming weekend against the Steelers, but um, I think Ryan knows basically who the core of this team is going to be, what the team's going to look like, so we're going to hand the reins to him. And first down is all you, Detroit Lions preview. Ryan. Yep. Um, Dan Campbell really, he did say today, this is going to be probably the, I mean, it's only second year, but he said this is going to be the hardest decision he has to make because there's a lot of guys that have played well and they're not going to make the roster. Um, yeah, last year the Lions weren't great. I mean, they showed a lot of fight. They just were good. They just, you know, lack of talent, lack of cohesion. This year, I mean, they, they improved via free agency. They improved via the draft. Um, you know, their coaches are more comfortable with the players. Players are more comfortable with the coaches. Um, guys are buying in. You see that on Hard Knocks if you watch. If you watch it, if not, I suggest you do. Pay the $10 because it's worth it um, for HBO for a month, HBO Max. It's really good. Um, but... These guys are bought in, it seems, uh, the most I've ever in my life seen people want to play for the Lions, which is crazy to say. Uh, it's a, a, a testament to their head coach and the culture that he's created um, and the assistant coaches he has, Deuce Staley, Randall L., Aaron Glenn, Aubrey, Aubrey Pleasant, all these guys um, doing great stuff for the Lions. But, um, yeah, last year, obviously, um, what we have the third, second pick, so not great. Hopefully, we can improve this year. My vision for the Lions is be close-ish to 500 this year. The next year, um, compete to win the division, make the wild card, and then keep that rolling. I think they can do it. Um, it's going to take healthy. Saying healthy is going to take um, some, some fight. It's going to take improvement on the defense, but... On the offensive side of the ball, I think the Lions are actually pretty set. Goff wasn't great last year. This year he 
from what I've read, what I've seen, heard, um, he is a lot more comfortable in the offense. The offense is more designed to what he can do. Um, Throw five yard passes. Exactly. A lot of play. A lot of play action. Um, he's more comfortable with the offense. He's more confident in general. You saw that toward the end of the year, he kind of grew in confidence, and the Lions started winning a few games and you know playing better. Um, we'd love to see that at JG sixteen um, this season. Uh, backup quarterback position. This is where the Lions need help. Blau and TB twelve. Not Tom Brady. Tim Boyle. They're both terrible. Um, probably two of the worst. Who has more upside? Neither. I think they both suck. They need to get a different <laughs> one guy. Have Neither of them upside. have upside. They're not good. They need a real backup in case because if golf gets hurt, they're SOL. Um, not going to be good. Um, running back Jamal Williams, very good second. You know, second tier back there, and then you get DeAndre Swift, a guy that uh, I think can have a huge season. They're trying to put put him in the Alvin Kamara role, receiving. Um, run the ball. He's pretty small, but he's got really good vision. Strong guy. Expect a big year out of him. Then they got like Craig Reynolds back there, probably be the third back. Um, a few. He other looked good the other day. Fighting for the yeah. He, he he's a good runner. He's he runs hard, works hard. Uh, receiver lines were very thin there last year. Um, this year is the complete opposite. Bringing DJ Chark in uh, in the off season. He's on a one year contract. Former All Pro guy, Pro Bowler. Um, fast, tall, athletic. He's going to be a deep threat. You got Khalif Raymond, who's a kind of a gadget guy. Um, Jamison Williams, when he's healthy, take the top off of a defense. And then you got Amon Ra, the sun god. Just Dude's just a beast. He could name every receiver taken in front of him in the draft. Uh, love that. His dad's a former all, what is it, all world or whatever, Mr. Universe. Just absolutely jacked and he is instilled that in the Suns, pretty crazy and hard knocks there. Um, and then you got Josh Reynolds, who's a, a really solid possession receiver, um, played for a long time, and yeah, it's it's good stuff there um, for the Lions. Finally, um, three or four pretty good receivers, and then tight end you got you got Hawk if he stays healthy, he's one of the probably top five to seven tight ends in the NFL um, with the way he can catch the ball and his athleticism. And an offensive line, this is my favorite part of the Lions. I don't think in my life. They have ever had a good offensive line. If they not a whole cohesive. If they remain healthy, they could have a top five offensive line in the NFL. They had pieces and parts for a while, like Lomas Brown, who's on the radio now, Kevin Glover. Like they would get two or three out of the five spots, but not not one through five. They finally have it. They have a left tackle Taylor Decker. They have a left guard Jonah Jackson. Center Frank (laughs) Ragno, who's one of the best centers in the league. Right guard Vita. He's not great, but. He's serviceable, and then you got right tackle, um, a guy that I think is going to play for a long time, and he's going to be an all-pro for a very long time, and that's, uh, I don't know, they call him, some call him Penny, some call him Panay Sewell. Um, guy's a beast, can play either tackle position, pretty young. Um, he's a mauler. And then you got some decent backup guys there as well. So the offense is looking good. The defense, eh, it's going to need work. Um just kind of. I can't even. I can patch name together. I mean, I can't really name any. No, the defense are, I mean, is not. Ancelotti. Mean, I mean, there's. I mean, Hutchinson is. Rodrigo, I don't like Hutchinson. him, but he's been solid. Charles Harris has solid last year. He's been. He's going to be good. He's getting better. Um, Austin Bryant's had a really good, um, good camp. Um, then you got Josh Pascal, who for some odd reason the Lions picked in the second round. He's still hurt. Shocking. 
Um, he can play D-end, and then Okwara, he's coming back from his Achilles injury, then his brother Julian um, as well. Then D-tackle, they actually have they're some decent guys, Aline McNeil, Michael Brockers. Um, then this Kaminsky guy has been playing well in preseason. He'll probably make the roster. Um, and then Levi, I don't even know, Ozawarie, whatever. He's a second-round pick in 2021. He's been dinged up again. He was dinged up last year. Hopefully he can get healthy because he's a good player. Um, might need to go out the free agency and get another D-tackle just to be safe. But not bad uh, on the D-line. Linebackers were as it gets hairy. I mean, you got Alex Anzalone who was a special teams guy for the Saints for a long time. Then he comes over to Detroit and starts, and he's not very good. And that's the best you have. He's probably going to have to start again. Um, but Rodrigo, Malcolm Rodriguez, will have something to say about that because he's getting better. The coaches love him, even though he's like 5'10", playing linebacker He's a wrestler, a thumper. He's a hard worker. Um, just he, He's the total Dan Campbell guy. We love to see that. Um, then Derek Barnes, he played pretty good amount of snaps last year as a rookie uh, out of Purdue. Pretty nice linebacker. He's getting better. I think that they see those two, um, Rodrigo and Barnes, as kind of the two, hopefully, linebackers of the future Then get another guy. Um, then you got Chris Board, who played a little bit for the Falcons, or I'm sorry, the Ravens, um, as more of a special teams guy than a few other backups um, that are okay. Um, safety, the lines are alright. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Um, Tracy Walker, yeah. um, he's not bad. They signed him to a few-year contract. Not terrible. Then Deshaun Elliott, he's all right. Um, was also on the Ravens um, for a little bit. Um, he's serviceable, better than what they've had. Um, then they also have Melifon who's moving back from corner. He was kind of hurt last year. He's a really rangy 6'3 guy. Um, and Kirby Joseph picked him from Illinois last year. He's you know, a hybrid linebacker safety kind of guy. Nice player, probably will play a good amount in corner is where I'm concerned about. Because Oruwaria had six picks last year. No way this guy would be. He probably wouldn't even be the second best corner on a lot of teams in the NFL. And he's the Lions' number one guy. Hopefully he can be okay. And then you got Okuda coming off as Achilles. Said he played decent last week. Yeah, weekend, I just, I don't know. Against second, third stringers. I don't know. I hope he does well for his sake, but I just, I don't know. that He got put in a really bad situation by Quintricia, um... <laughs> early on in his career, and it kind of screwed him, I think. But obviously the injury last year um, might end up being a bust. Can't know? rush the rookies. See a lot of guys flush yeah. out. Especially corners. I mean, if you get, that gets you in your head. Quarterbacks, right? corners, I think of the two. Like, you can rush a, a rookie running back. Receiver. You can rush a receiver because you can even throw the special packages at him. But to I mean, rush. You see a lot of even, like, undrafted guys start that play offensive line, too. So Right. Um, yeah, yeah quarterback and corner are kind of rush positions there. Um, then Will Harris moved from uh, from safety to corner. He's okay. Um, then other than that, they just have a bunch of randos. Jerry Jacobs has come back from a I can't remember if it was ACL or Achilles. He should, he's a decent guy. Call him Seatbelt. It's a pretty good nickname to have. AJ Parker as well. Seatbelt as in you better wear it because otherwise he's going to get scored on. Yeah, probably. No, I don't because he's. Plays you tight, I guess. I don't know. And then kicker, Patterson and Seibert are fighting for it. I don't. I mean, they're both pretty good, so I don't really care. And then you got uh, Jack Fox. He's a pretty freaking good punter, so take that. And then return guy, I don't know. I mean, Raymond's a good punt returner. Then 
for kick return, it might be the guy last year, Ibakikwe or whatever, Golden is his first name. Him and uh, that Alexander guy who actually popped. Um, he had a that, couple good ones against Yeah, Indy. those two, I would say, are fighting for one of, probably one of the last roster spots to be just a return game kind of gadget. Yeah, Campbell said there's going to be eight, there's eight to ten spots up for grabs. I just saw on yeah. uh, a, a line article on MLive that said, he, in his view, there's eight to ten spots. I didn't read the article, so I can't tell you who or what, but yeah. I believe it. I'm a big fan of what he's doing, though. I mean, love watching Hard Knocks. I love to see the energy he brings, um, his coaching staff brings. They're bought in. This is this is a total 180 from what was going on before with the fat bastard and the pencil in his damn ear, blueberry-looking mug. Um, Bluto from Popeye. Yeah, he was, he was ass. I mean, he's terrible. And isn't he? What, so he was he's his the, defensive guy. Now yeah, he's the now offensive he's the, coach. Him, he and Joe Judge, who both got, who both went left the Patriots in the same cycle, both got fired from their respective jobs, are fighting for the offensive coordinator position. They both suck. It's hilarious, especially for a Bill Belichick team. Because I'll show he, you, he's it there. You could think you could, you could do better, but um, Lions schedule is not terrible. I mean, crossover with the with the NFC East, which. I mean, they, they start off week one against the Eagles. It's a running quarterback. The Lions struggle with it, but their defense isn't great. So I think could be, you know, I think that's a toss-up for them. Commanders week two at home. I don't think they're very good. Probably would win that. Minnesota's going to be a decent team. I mean, all, they feel like they all, Kirk Cousins always dominates them, especially in Minnesota. Then they play the Seahawks week four. Um, Maybe the debut of Canine then yeah, coming yeah. off his hernia operation. Yeah, I think the Lions can actually win that because I think that they're better than Geno Smith and or Drew Locke. Funny. Then they go to New England. It's never a good recipe. Um, then they have their bye week six kind of early. Then to Dallas, not easy. Um, probably would lose that. Miami at home. I mean, two is the most accurate quarterback ever, apparently. <laughs> Screw that. The Dolphins suck. Uh, Green Bay at home. Lions have played decent against them actually in the last couple of years, especially last year under Campbell. Um, gave them a decent run the first time, then beat them late in the season. Even though they, they had Jordan Love, but still we beat them. Um, then Bear, at Bears, they're going to be terrible. At New York Giants, they're terrible. Bills on Thanksgiving, I, that's going to be awful. Oh boy. That's going to be that's going to be oh that's going to be ugly. Then Jacksonville at home. It's pretty easy. And then Minnesota at home. At the Jets. Then at Carolina. Yeah, they're not very good. Then home against Chicago and at Green Bay to finish. So the Lions don't have a terrible schedule. I mean, I think 7-10 and 10 is 7-10, 6-11. You know, anywhere from 6 to 8 wins would be probably where I'd put them. I'd probably say more, more 7. Um, but, I mean, maybe they get the lucky break and they – Somehow get a winning season. That'd be pretty freaking crazy. Um, but I'm, you know, banking on probably seven and ten, and probably get, you know, anywhere from an eight to twelve pick in the draft next year. And, you know, depending on what they how golf plays, maybe they trade up and get a quarterback, a C.J. Stroud. Maybe they stay put and they want to stick with him, and they get a, you know, another defensive, few defensive pieces with their two first round picks, and, you know, get a get a quarterback. Um, you know, free agency or something like that to be his backup or something. I don't know, but I think the future is bright in Detroit. Holmes knows what he's doing. He's saw it with the Rams. He did great, um, great job drafting and helping build that franchise. 
kind of back from being pretty terrible before McVay was there. Um, so yeah, excited excited about the future of the Detroit Lions. I could, I mean, I I buy a seven and ten. I mean, they're one of those teams like they lost a lot of close games last me. year, and they showed they blew it in week one of preseason in classic Lions style, and they almost blew it. I mean, if not for a, a misconversion on a two point try by the Colts, they would have blown that game. So until they learn how to win, that's the difference. They're closing the gap. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I would say they're they're in good shape. They're, they don't have the best playmakers in the NFL, but they're good enough. The problem is, is good enough isn't good enough when your defense sucks, and that's where the Lions are. Like I think two-thirds of their phases, special teams and offense, are just fine. The defense is going to be a major question mark, and until the Lions figure that part out, I I just don't buy that they're going to be able to have winning seasons. I, I just don't. It, not because of Dan Campbell or the effort of the staff, because um, I do really like them, and I like the mentality and the mindset and the culture, but culture doesn't win games in the NFL. You know, players do, and the, it, there's just a major shortfall of players on the defensive side of the ball, in my view. All right, moving to second down this week. Um, a little finagling for a new t- new topic idea. That's one that hard to prepare for, but um, can be just be kind of a conversational thing. Chris actually threw this at me a couple weeks ago. Um, our longtime listener, no time caller, Chris, mm-hmm. always chime in with his answers. But he threw this at me. He's like, "Why don't you play a game of what if?" Like, and he was talking specifically about give me one what if something was different for Michigan State football and one for basketball, and we'll get to his in a minute. Um, but I just thought, Ryan, like, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. If you think about it in your lifetime, not as long as my lifetime, give me give me a what if for maybe the Lions or the Pistons or the Red Wings or the Tigers or some other team that you like, like a if this oh, had I happened, got, I what if. So for go for Detroit, it. if they, for the Tigers, a what if. What if Tory Hunter robs David Ortiz in Game Two of the 2013? I think it was 2013 ALCS. The Tigers would have won that game. Would have gone home up 2-0. Yeah, that's a good what if. For the Lions, what if the freaking refs didn't screw them against the against the Cowboys? The pass interference that got picked up. I can't remember if it was 2015 or 16 when the guy face guarded them and got to Pettigrew early and they picked up the freaking flag. Was that a playoff game yes, or was that to was, get in the playoffs? No, it was I in the playoffs. It was the wild card. We had we were up that. on we're driving to score on them to win. What if the Red Wings hadn't let Steve Eiserman go to Tampa Bay? Wouldn't they be more in the Stanley Cup hunt, you know, sooner than they may be here again in the next couple of years? What if the Pistons didn't blow their third pick overall or second pick overall on Darko Milicic with that really good team? Yeah. I mean, he was on a national, a world champion team with the Pistons. Imagine, Imagine if they had Carmelo or, or D-Wade. D-Wade. I mean, that's like oh, crazy. Um, let's see. Imagine if the Tigers hadn't – what if the Tigers hadn't held on to Al Avila for so long? <laughs> Maybe they'd be a little bit more decent than they are now. I mean, I'm looking at, like, I do not follow baseball as closely, but I saw today that the Dodgers are over 700 this year. I mean, that's how good they are. I mean, the Tigers haven't sniffed that in since 1984, long, probably. Long time. Um, I'm trying to think of some other 
what ifs. You know, what if Isaiah Thomas doesn't get hurt in game six? This is well before Ryan's time. Uh, when the the first year the Pistons went to the broke through and went to the NBA Finals, I believe it was 88, and they lost in seven games to the Lakers because he went off in that game six. What if he doesn't get hurt in game seven? Do they win that, and do they win back-to-back-to-back? Does that dynasty last longer? I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's a fun it's a fun game to play. It's the shoulda, coulda, woulda game or whatever. I'm trying to think if there's any other what ifs. What if Barry Sanders didn't retire when he did? What if Megatron didn't retire when he did? What if those guys somehow what if matched Stafford up and played a little bit together? Line, the lines have yeah, teams. what if? Yeah, that's a great one. What if Stafford had the old line they have now with some of the weapons with a Megatron and maybe even Twilight Years Barry in the backfield? Now, that would have been a Lions team that could have broken through. Ah, no, they would have found a way not to. Um, all kinds of phantom stuff. So those are some fun ones. The ones that Chris threw at me, and we'll get to some Michigan State ones, Ryan, because I'm sure there's plenty of Michigan State ones. The ones that Chris threw at me, which I thought were good, what if Michigan State beat Notre Dame in 2013 and played Florida State in the natty? I, I mean, that's how won. close they were. I think we would have won. I think I think that game turned Michigan State. Like, I think that if they had won that game, I don't know if they would have had the season they did. I don't yeah, know I think I I agree. I, but what if the playoff was there in 2013? We would have been the four seed. We would have played mm-hmm. Florida State. I think we would have won it. Yeah, that would have been that a different defense. story than the BCS. His basketball one is a very clearly obvious one that is going to be fresh on Michigan State minds forever, and that is what if COVID doesn't happen and Cash and the boys get to play in the tourney. We won it all. I mean, there's luck. We've talked about this on the podcast several times. There's luck involved in all that stuff. But, I mean, the way they were playing at that point in time, the streak that they were on, as hot as they were, the pick-and-roll game that they had, the the other pieces and components that they had, they would have had to have been a favorite. Now, Michigan State 2016, I think it was, was – more or less a favorite, even though they were a two-seed and they lost to a 15. They almost lost to a 15 in 2019. I mean, uh, it happens, but that's a huge what-if, and I agree with you, Chris, on that one. He had a bonus what-if. What if Fickle accepts the MSU job instead of Tucker? Would Michigan State be where we are now? No. I think it would have been, no offense to Coach D, who you guys know we've had on the podcast, and I love Coach D, but it would have been similar. And it's, it's always interesting to me to read... Um, some of the MSU coverage, whether it's um, on 247 Sports or or SpartanMag.com or whatever, about they're asked guys about, and they've started to ask guys like Elijah Collins and some guys like that who have crossed over and played for both. What, what's different? What's it like? And, and they're all quick to say it's not that things were bad with Coach D'Antonio, but they did get the end of his, you know, maybe he, they didn't have his full energy like he did sooner. Or, you know, earlier in his career, and that's no offense to him. That's why he retired, right? But, like, then they compare that to what the culture is now and the no-nonsense and the work and everything else. Man, I mean, I think Luke Fickle's a really good coach, but I don't know. I think it might have been more of the same. Now, of course, more of the same. Look at the run Michigan State had in the mid-20 teams. It was phenomenal. It was as good as at any time in their history, arguably. Um, yeah. You know, in 2021, or 2020, we might have been going, um, yeah, I wish we would have had it. But then you saw what happens when the mindset shifts and, and he works the plan, plans the work and works the plan with Coach Tucker. Um, that's a great one, a great what if. Um, you know, I'll give you a, a what if. Uh, here's two old-time coaching what ifs for Michigan State. 
what if, and Ryan, you probably didn't even know this, but what if Barry Switzer comes to Michigan State after Duffy, which was really close, that but I think it was crazy. like it was a board thing. Somebody didn't like him, or there was something there. He was a young, brash coach for Oklahoma that obviously went on to great things at Oklahoma. What if he comes in after Duffy? Does Michigan State take a step back for all those years? Or, better yet, what if when we went calling for the second time, because we actually pursued him in 95 when we got Saban, too, although it was a long shot at the at that time. But in 99-2000, it came really close to happening that Tom Osborne almost came to Michigan State instead of Bobby Williams. Can you imagine that what if? I mean, he would have been past his prime, arguably. Still, but though. But still, a football mind like that that would have solidified it. Or I'll give you another name that was um, kind of prevalent and popular when um, Nick Saban... Um, left Michigan State for LSU, Urban Meyer. Now, we know what we know about him now, but young Urban Meyer at the time, I think he was at Bowling Green, and he ended up going to Utah shortly after that. And we've seen the star path that his his career took. Now, Michigan State would have been probably thug you, and you got a coach that likes to mess around with 19-year-old girls at Applebee's and stuff, so maybe not the greatest, but that's another coaching what if. Yeah. What if, um, I don't remember, Was it was... It was what's his name from Baltimore um, that went to Cincinnati at the same time as D'Antonio, right? It was uh, uh, shoot, I'm thinking of the DC, Marvin, Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis. Was it he? Was he at the time with John L. Smith? Yeah, John L. Smith. That was... Yeah. So what if Marvin Lewis takes a job instead of John L. Smith? I mean, he probably has more success unless he uses it as a stepping stone to the NFL. Um, you know, what if? Man, there's so many what ifs out there. You gotta have some. What are some of your what ifs from Michigan State? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of basketball what ifs. Basketball. What, what if Michigan State had won a second title? Would Izzo still be there? No. You know, I don't think so. At I this don't know. Point what, in time. what is it? I mean, recruits. You say, you know, what if Michigan State gets this guy what Zion or what are some gets of the other Jabari guys that Parker? Jabari Parker. Yeah. Not Zion. We didn't recruit. Oh. Zion. Maybe like Jaleel. Well, you you outplayed those guys. Zion, so. um, yeah. All these, I mean, yeah, a lot of recruiting. What ifs? A lot of it. What if D'Antonio left for the Texas job and after the Rose Bowl? After yeah, the Rose Bowl. we just watched that back the other night. I was on BTN and they actually brought that up. He said he didn't have his agent. Said his wife was the agent at the time, um, and then I met him shortly after that. Yeah, I mean, so many what ifs. You can think of what ifs in in gameplay, good or bad. You know, what if something didn't break this way? What if something broke that way? Um, man, it's a fun game to play. What it's if, also what maddening. If, uh, but what if the pass gets knocked down on on uh, the rocket? What if little giants never? Yeah. What if? Li- yeah. If you want to look at the negative side, what if we did, if, trouble if, with the snap? What if the? Yeah. What if he gets the punt off? Michigan State obviously doesn't go to the the playoff uh, that year. What if um, Michigan State doesn't get that extra point oh three or oh two seconds against? Not extra, but. Doesn't doesn't get the clock stoppage on time, which gave them chance to get Smoker to duck it. Um, you know, what if Jeff Smoker doesn't go off the deep end and start doing all the who knows what he did and Charles Rogers with him? What if Charles Rogers doesn't break his collarbone twice in two seasons for the Lions? I mean, he could have been a great player. It's just like, you know. What if Gibby had stayed with the Tigers instead of going to the Dodgers? Would the Tigers have won more? Um, a lot you know, of a lot of a lot of what ifs. Every team in you know in the world can have what ifs. You know, 
what if this, what if that, what if Phil Mickelson, former favorite of the podcast, and now, you know, who cares if he exists, but still, not that I wish him death, but don't care if he's plays golf ever again. Uh, what if he would have actually won one of those U.S. Opens? Would he have been as, at the time, likable? He was kind of Probably a lovable not. lovable loser as the constant, consummate runner-up. Um, yeah, if you got any other what-ifs that you want us to cover, let us know, because a, that's a fun topic. I mean, they're... If I sat here and I really scoured year to year, I could think of a what if in almost every single game from Michigan State, you know, that was a loss or a big win or, you know, just what if Michigan State doesn't lose to Middle Tennessee State or what if they get the number one seed that year instead of the number the number two? <laughs> Is it different? Do they win at all? Um, everything happens for a reason. We know that, you know, it's just kind of a fun little game, look back game to play, but there's definitely some interesting ones out there. And I think another one for Michigan State is coaching-wise, what if Izzo left after, you know, when he turned down the Hawks job after he won the national title? Who, I mean, I think we'd be on our third or fourth or fifth coach by now. I don't know that we would have found somebody with that kind of longevity. No, um, no way. So there's what ifs on both sides of the spectrum for sure. All right, thanks, Chris, for that suggestion. That was a good one. Um, moving down to third down, where we usually have Mount Rushmore, but we moved the bracket. Decided to have a little bit of fun. This is a little bit more Michigan State-related, so if you're not a Spartan fan, you can fast-forward to fourth down. But um, for most of our listeners, are probably at least somewhat interested in Michigan State. So our weekly bracket, Ryan, most important Michigan State games, two brackets are football, two basketball, okay. since 2000, so in your lifetime. Okay. Football one bracket. Number one seed, 2008 win over Michigan, a.k.a. or after the, or you could say a.k.a. the Little Brother game. Versus four seed, 2012 Outback Bowl win over Georgia. Uh, Michigan. I agree. I think that that set um, Michigan State on a trajectory and it set a tone for that program under D'Antonio and really is the earmark of that program was its ability to con- to routinely beat Michigan unless those few years where Michigan just had clearly a overall better team and Michigan State wasn't very good. Um, Michigan, you could argue, is always probably, at least by recruiting stars-wise, whether you believe that or not, has always probably had more talent, but that turned the tide in the rivalry to a point it hadn't been since the 50s and the 60s, so I'd definitely go with that, and it still exists today. Facing the winner of two-seed 2014 Rose Bowl win over Stanford or three-seed the 2021 win over Michigan. That's a tough one. I'll go Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think it is a tough one because that game last year was so epic. It was so um, indicative of where the program had come in such a hurry. Mel being the first Michigan State coach to beat Michigan in his first two years. Cannot underestimate the importance of that game. Such a springboard game for recruiting and everything else. But how do you argue your first Rose Bowl since the 1988 Rose Bowl? So your first Rose Bowl in, what, 36 years? Um and where that pushed Michigan State for the next two years. Because remember, that was the first of an epic three-year run was capped off of that Rose Bowl win. So I'm going to agree with that. And so let's go 2008 win over Michigan or the 2014 Rose Bowl, Ryan? Uh, we'll go Rose Bowl. Yeah, man. I, I'm going to stick with the 2008 win over Michigan just because I think that signaled the mindset shift at Michigan State 
that yes, of course, the importance on that game being the most important game, but I think that prepped them to be able to win other big games, like the Ohio State games, for example, that led into that Rose Bowl. So I'm going to stick with a one seed here, although that's a tough call. Um, against this, the, that winner of that bracket is going to play the Hoops 1 bracket winner. One seed, no-brainer here. 2000 National Championship over Florida. Versus the number four seed, two thousand five Elite Eight double overtime. That was great. That was, that was one of the first games I remember. Um, Patrick Sparks with the was uh, his toe on the line, couldn't really tell. Zoomed yeah, in, bald ball hit the rim like a million times. Yeah, I, that national champion. Yeah, Natty, you got it. You got to go, Natty. But that was an epic because it was against a blue blood, and it was the second blue blood of that weekend um, as well. So. Two seed, 2010 second round win over Maryland. Ducking Delvon was oh, born. Man. Corey Lucius with the moneymaker after Kalen Lucas went down with a torn Achilles. Facing the three seed, the 2020 regular season finale win over Ohio State. Um, Maryland. Maryland game. That was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> So we played the what if, like what if that wasn't Michigan State's last game in 2020. That's why I put it on this list is because it's that important. But I think it's hard to argue with Maryland because that was the, you lose that game and you don't go to the Final Four, right? A lot of things fell into Michigan State's favor that year because Northern Iowa upset Kansas and they played Tennessee. And so it just kind of worked out for Michigan State that way. But I agree, it's got to be that that win over Maryland. I mean, especially in the fashion because Maryland came down and scored a clutch basket with five some seconds to go. So you got number one, two, the 2000 national championship versus that, Natty. that win. Yeah, you got to go Natty for sure. Um, football two, number one seed, 2015 Big Ten title game win over Iowa against number four seed. Different take on this one. 2006 loss to Indiana a week, a week after the biggest comeback in NCAA history, leading to John L. Smith's immediate firing. Which one was more Ooh. important? Oh, probably the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's hard to argue because it put him in the playoff. But, you know, that 2006 game happens. Like After that 38-3 to deficit and turned into a 41-38 to win over Northwestern on the road, People are like, okay, maybe John L. Smith can coach this team to somewhere and they can finally get to a bowl game again after he only went in his first year. Eh, no, they got smacked by Indiana. So that one was important and why I put it on there, but I agree. The win over Iowa was more important. Number two seed, 2013 Big Ten title game win over Ohio State. This under the Rose Bowl. Against number three seed, 2015 road win over Ohio State, which helped them get to the Big Ten championship. Oh, that's tough. Uh, Probably... To beat Ohio State to go to Pasadena, I think. Yeah, hard to argue with that one as well. I mean, both of them are obviously extremely important, but you know, that win in 2013 over Ohio State against a team that was probably the, I mean, I think they were rated number two at the time, but they they arguably had they were on they, a 24 game win streak. There's a very good chance that they won and won the national championship that year for sure. Um, yeah, and hadn't lost, I don't think, under Urban at that no. point in time. Because his first year, they weren't eligible for anything, and then yeah. then that year. Yeah, All right, good. so you got the battle of the Big Ten title games. Number one seed, 2015, to send them to the in CFP, or 2013 to send them to the Rose Bowl? Uh, oh, the Rose Bowl. It's the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you know what? It's hard to argue when you make the playoffs, but 
I agree just because, again, what that did for the team at the t- and the program at the time and the trajectory that it sent them on, and it got them over the hump because they were close. You know, the one year when they lost to Wisconsin on, you know, the running into the kicker after they, kick, they returned the kickoff down to the th- or punt down to the three-yard line, you know, that was such a heartbreaking loss, so I think I would agree with this one. And moving on to hoops two, 2019 MSU Elite 8 game win over Duke versus four-seed 2019 Combination of three MSU comeback wins over Michigan. Duke. Yeah. Epic. I mean, you'll never argue against Duke, especially because that's a program Michigan State and Izzo in particular is not beaten very much. Uh, two seed, 2005 Sweet 16 win over Duke. Uh, or the three seed, 2000 beatdown of Michigan in the regular <clears throat> season finale. Um, we'll, go, uh, we'll go Duke again. I hate Duke. Yeah, you know, it's... Boy, it's tough because it, that game in the Sweet 16 obviously got, got Michigan State to beat Kentucky. Then they ended up getting into the Final Four that year where they lost to North Carolina, who they were ahead of at the half. Could have been three Blue Bloods in a row. 2000, not a very good Michigan team. Still a fun game to watch. My boy Steve Cherry burying, burying a three with like seven and a half minutes to go. Often to walk on, get to start firing daggers with seven and a half minutes to go in a rivalry game. And, I mean, Michigan State was clearly a great team that year, and that just kind of sent a tone going into the national championship run. Um, boy. But I got to agree. I mean, Duke, because Michigan State wasn't necessarily supposed to win that game, and then they beat Kentucky the next, you know, in the next game. So I'm, I'm going to go with that Duke game too. Um, and then you've got which Duke win? 2019 or 2019? 2019. Yeah, 2019 for sure. Yeah. Um, epic, epic win. Arguably one of the probably top three Michigan State basketball wins in program history, I would say. All right, so you've got Rose Bowl win over Stanford against the 2000 National Championship in basketball. National Championship. I found this on the web. Yeah, we don't care, Siri, if you find it on the web. Um, (laughs) And then I had um, the win over Michigan versus the National Championship. Obviously, got to go national championship. It's a natty. Haven't had one since. Um, and then you and I both had the 2013 Big Ten title game win over Ohio State against the Elite Eight game win over Duke. Um, let's go Elite Eight over Duke. It's hard because you're going, you know, you're going apples or oranges because you're going football to basketball, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for Michigan State as a program, and that Duke team that existed, I mean, yeah. what three three guys drafted in the top five of the draft yeah. or something like that? I would I would go with that too, and so it's a basketball final. Is it the two thousand national championship game natty. more important or the twenty nineteen natty? Yep, we got to go with the natty. It's hard to argue ever with the natty. So there you go, a little fun weekly bracket. We've got a whole list of other stuff that we could do. We'll probably keep doing brackets here or there when we need a. A little filler spot, especially after golf drops off here in a couple weeks. But uh, that is third down in the books. Moving to fourth down, our usual spot for golf. A lot of good things to talk about here this week. So we got a little bit on live. We got a little bit of BMW recap. We got foursomes for the FedEx. We got a, how did our guys do in the BMW? And I've got a couple questions of the week. So 
Boy, let's start with, I'm just going to rapid fire some things about the live latest. And I don't even know why we keep talking about this because I hate talking about it. But Ryan, give me any takes that you have on any of this stuff or if you got anything to add. So yeah. uh, one thing that came out last week, Pat Perez, a.k.a. the human volcano, out of the lawsuit. Probably a smart good, thing on his part. Him. Yeah. Um, stupid that you were in it to begin with. But you're, like he's, he's unknown enough that... Except for the fact that he went, what, he's the guy that went 80-80 in the first tournament, right? And, like, finished dead yeah, last and won terrible. a million bucks because his team somehow won. Um, the good news for him is that it's different than if it was Dustin Johnson or whatever where the damage is already done. Half of people probably don't even know, unless they're golf fans like us, who Pat Perez is. So, but still, um, good move getting out of that lawsuit. I just have to ask, does Greg Norman just need a hug? I mean, does he feel that unloved that he has to do this? You know, I was reminded by an article or a blog by Dottie Pepper that he tried this in 1994 as well. He's been trying to bite the hand that feeds him forever. You just sound like a whiny bitch, Greg. Like, give it up. If you want to take Saudi money and play golf over there, go for it. Then I realized this weekend I was wearing Shark brand pant or shorts. You rid of them. Uh, I, they're comfortable, though, but yeah, I might have to just in the name of PGA over live. Um, we you you did this as breaking news last week, Ryan. But how about the Patrick Reed lawsuit for like seven hundred and fifty million dollars against Brendel Chambly? No one likes you, Patrick. You fat bastard. I mean, first of all, you're it doesn't have basis. Second of all, we talked about this last week, but your your crack legal team spelled Tiger Woods as W O O D apostrophe S. Um. The amount of money that you're asking for, look, dude, you did it to yourself. And guess what? When you're part of a team or you're an athlete that does shady stuff, the media is going to call you out for it, including quasi-media like Ryan and I. And if you can't take it without your butt getting hurt, maybe you shouldn't be in the public spotlight. There's a reason why the only person who likes you is your wife I mean, you're like the, who is the quarterback for the Bears? Um, Jake Cutler? The, yeah, that people love to hate. You're kind of like the Jake Cutler of um, the PGA, now the LIV Tour. is like, just go away. I mean, you're just, you're just a giant baby. And I guarantee, I guarantee you one thing out of this, you will never play on the PGA Tour again, even if the live dissolved tomorrow. Nobody cares about you. Um, how about, did you see this, Ryan? Tiger has has an idea for a season within the season for the 60 oh, best yes. on the PGA Tour. Does that help or hurt the PGA Tour? It forces their hand. I know that that much. Um, I mean, it borrows some of the ideas from the live because it's no cut. It's the best 60 players. I don't know. I mean, on one hand, I look at like the BMW, you know, what we watched this weekend, and we'll definitely watch the Tour Championship this weekend. It's great because it's it's the best of the best right now. But part of the beauty of golf is sometimes guys rise up and they come out of nowhere and they, you know, they're fun and they're good, um, and they come out of nowhere. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you fight an elitist thing with elite. I, I don't know. Is the idea to get back DJ and DeChambeau and yeah, no one? Can. Nobody. I. I mean, why? Like I. I mean, I get the idea of it. Um, but I think you have to do a drastic rearrangement with the season. I think you have to, you got to have something in play where guys can move in and out of the top 60, almost kind of like the Premier League, almost kind of like we've talked about 
way back when in college football realignment, you know, lower tier teams being able to move up, like in Premier League soccer. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know Tiger means well, but is that a little bit too me too? Is that, you know, too close to what already exists? Is there another way you could do it? I mean, because it's going to be at the cost of knocking events out of cities like the mortgage, Rocket Mortgage, you know. Yeah, the best of the best don't play in it, but fans go, and it raises money for charity. That's the other thing is Liv doesn't give money to charity. Yeah, the PGA Tour They give it to themselves. The PGA is a, you know, more typical not-for-profit. And some of the contract stuff that came out that these guys agreed on, you know, their argument, oh, I can spend more time with my family. Well, maybe because you play less weeks and you have guaranteed money, but there's a lot of other days stipulations of, of basically like sponsor time you have to give. Um, we used to call that in the world of sponsorships, like, you know, how many appearances do you get? Like we had certain amount of appearances baked into contracts that there's like 20 days worth of appearances baked into those contracts. Those aren't consecutive either. So, you know, that's another 20 days. That's five weekends out of the course of the year. So, uh, you know, five four day weekends if you think of like a golf tournament perspective. So, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I knew. I do know this. A judge ruled that the hearing for the live tour lawsuit's not going to be until twenty twenty four. That's crazy. That's how little the judicial system in the United States gives. Uh, you know what about this lawsuit? It's good. Um, which is good. It just kind of bury it in the coffers. And frankly, there's obviously a lot more important things to to worry about, but. Um, yeah, that's kind of some of the live circus for this week. I think they're playing not this week, but next weekend. Yeah, so. the next weekend. They're not trying to Cam, go. Ahead that's when Cam Smith is joining. Better. But you know, the other thing is like these guys. You know, like Mickelson con- complain about media rights. Well, yeah, you have full control of your media rights with the live tour because they ain't any. <laughs> You're on YouTube, and that's it. That's it. So whatever. All right, BMW recap. Um, Patty Ice, great looking course. Patty Ice. Yep, goes back to back on the BMW. Almost had to do it in playoff fashion like he did a year ago. Um, great course, great leaderboard. Um, you know, wasn't a tricked up course, but there was water yeah, in just fun. the right spots. You know, she's Morikawa took a ten on a hole, went in the drink like two or three times. Um, I, I asked the question to you, Ryan. What does the back injury do to Will Zeltoris's chances? This yeah, week? I don't. I think he's not gonna play well i mean he's what he's in the fifth position or so so he's he's within earshot for sure um will cam be back off of his supposed hip injury i mean he's in third spot right or fourth spot so he's in the mix if you know but if he really was hurt does he have a chance i don't know Um, how did our how did our guys do in the you uh, you guys get 31st combined shuffler obviously played really well fino he did all right Rom played really well, and then Morcal was playing well. And he took a ten shot in eighty yesterday. Uh, cost me, got me fifty second. He was he was top five heading. Romer's been quietly playing really well. Yeah, he's lately. playing well. He so, really is. So that leads to this is the season finale, FedEx Cup finale. A lot of money on the line. I think there's a lot of guys that could win this, even though obviously there's the tiered system. Let's take a foursome. With a rule that you can take two from the top ten, and you have to take one from eleven to twenty, not likely to win it, but for finished position, and one from twenty-one to thirty. So two top ten, you said. Two top ten, one from the next tier, and then one from the uh, left. Two the top tier. ten: Patty Ice and Rory, and then eleven to twenty Rombo, and then uh, twenty-one to thirty Billy Ho. 
Good picks. I'm going Scheffler. I've ridden him the last three weeks. He's been hot all year. Um, he's obviously starts out in first place at 10 under this week. And I got Patty Ice too. He just he's been steady. He hasn't won much this year, minus the he's had a lot of top ten. The shared thing with Xander. It would not surprise me, I'll say this. It would not surprise me to see Xander win this thing. Um, it would not surprise me to see Rory because Rory's had success at East Lake before. Uh, my number, uh, my next tier pick is Rom as well because he's been playing so well. I don't necessarily think he can win it, but he was right in it yeah. last year. Um, he can get hot. He's been hot. Um, you know, Finau's a guy that I toyed with taking just because he's been so hot. I don't know if would he fold under pressure. And my last, he's a really super long shot, but the way he's been playing all year. I had to give him a little love, and that's the gala. Yep. Um, Who's going to win Rookie of the Year? The gala or Cam Young? That's the question. Probably yeah. Cam Young. I mean, or is, is Al Torres even really truly a rookie? He's not. I guess he not. He last was Rookie year, of the Year last, last year. Last year he was. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of good young golfers, and hopefully the PGA can keep there, them. Well, according No Laying Up podcast, I was listening to a really shot, those guys, uh, they said that, like, named all those young guys and said that they say that they're committed to the tour. From what they know, and they're pretty plugged in. So. Let's hope so. Let's hope whatever you know. Tiger flew up for that meeting last week. He didn't just Facetime in like people do, or Teams in, or Zoom in. Um, you know, I think he's like the Pied Piper, and what he the says cat. and do, people will will follow. So let's hope. Um, but it should be a fun tournament to watch mixed in this weekend with some college football, which is great. All right, a couple questions of the week to round out the golf segment. I saw this one on TikTok. What is the quote-unquote proper etiquette, I use that term loosely, if a group that can clearly see you hits into you? You're not playing slow. You aren't screwing around. You're not throwing down extra balls. You're not hunting for balls forever, whatever. It's just they can see you and they hit into you. And you're also not at some hero distance, i.e. waiting you know, right. a ridiculously long time on a long par 5 and 2. And if it was, you know, the only way you'd even come close to the green is if you hit like a once in a lifetime shot. So there's no reason for this group to hit into you. There's no no shots fired like flight, we had to have with the flight. boys that we played with yesterday, um, who fired into a, a ridiculously not very good foursome that was playing a scramble from the tips and could hardly drive it past the ladies' tees. So beyond that, which we didn't hit into them per se, but we. Hit a couple within 20 Scare yards, maybe. Scare them a little bit. Get their attention. Here's some rustling around. But what is the proper etiquette? What do you do? If you get hit into? Yeah, if somebody hits into you, what do you do? I mean, do you, maybe do you once, throw down? Do you maybe get after the ball a back at times, them? I'd say the first time you just get pissed, you, you, you keep it in the back of your mind. After two, you, that's where you send it. That's when the fight happens. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the first time, and it depends. Like, Is this like bouncing off your pant leg? Is it hitting you on the fly? Is it just like... It's clearly within distance, but it bounces behind you and it disrupts you. I think a little bit of that matters. I would say if it hits you and you didn't get a four, all bets are off. There's a four hybrid. If there's a four in there, that changes things. Yeah. um, But otherwise, in in case that case, I don't know, I I might talk like uh, I would fight, but I'd probably just turn and return to sender, honestly, and then end up like topping it or something because I'd be so mad. But... Like, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer for that is. You're supposed to obviously turn the other cheek or whatever. But, look, if you got dudes that are, you know, hitting into people and there's no reason at all to do it, that's just Bush League. Like, you don't deserve to be on the golf course, in my opinion. 
Um, and here's your bonus question. I just made this one up myself today. Would you rather, you gotta pick one, pay $50 for a round of golf and $25 for a cart fee, so $75 total per round, uh-huh. or $50 for the round of golf, so same for the round of golf, and $50 for a caddy including tip, so $25 more. So every time you go out, would you rather play, would you rather ride the cart and pay $25 less or play with a caddy and, and pay a little you bit more? You know who you're talking to. <laughs> you are cheap as hell. What if the caddy can? What if the caddy could improve your with their local knowledge could improve your your score by an average of five strokes over the course of the summer? So if I went from a ninety, so to if you went from a well in your world, if you went from a ninety eight to a ninety three, <laughs> getting I get, Ryan actually did beat me this weekend for the second time all year by one stroke. I had two chances Should in the last two holes of time, but whatever. He did take a nine. And he still beat me, but I had a lot of chances. But whatever, that's okay. I'm 16-2-1 against him this year. We can take it. So, But, yeah, so let's just say let's say you're a 90 average golfer for the year. And next year, if you paid $100 a round, it doesn't matter what course you play for. That's just average, we'll say. Let's just say 75. I feel like a caddy wouldn't – I'm just saying, what if the caddy could – like you're guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Yeah. Then, yeah, if it's guaranteed, I'd pay the extra money. I th- see. I think if the caddy was good conversation, and wouldn't mind carrying around my speaker, so I still have some music. I think I'd go with the caddy. I mean, I've never really minus when we had a four caddy at Hilton had him Uncle Tom paying for a caddy once in a while that we chipped in on a tip with. I've never really played per se with a caddy. I think it'd be kind of fun, honestly. But um, interesting question, anyway. Just a fun one to kick around. All right, moving on to overtime. Ryan's going to hit us up with our weekly pick and give you the deets on that. I mean, in the past, I think we've had a couple people that have played along. We're willing to give a prize if we get regular players, but you got to play and, and stay and play. You can't quit on us. Well, we're back, folks. Finally, finally game week, week zero, even though it's nothing ex- too exciting. Excuse me. Um, it's football. It's college football. We're here. Um we will be throughout the season. We'll be we'll throw out some lines. We'll throw out some money lines. We'll throw out some spreads. Throw out some over unders. And courtesy of our unofficial official, unofficially official, um, we'll say it, the unofficially official sports book of the Final Score Network podcast, and that's FanDuel. Time to start betting again. I haven't bet in a long time. Um, well, this week there's a good amount of games. A few of them aren't. I, I just really went off games that are on FanDuel this week. Uh, we're going to do some just straight up, some spread. We'll start in the Big Ten. Nebraska versus Northwestern. Across the pond in Dublin. Uh, I, I told you I think Northwestern's going to win. I'm going to stick by it. I they don't haven't know picked a, They haven't picked a starting quarterback No, they say, you said they're not naming it until the... Until they get on the field. I mean, they don't have one. They do. Illinois is doing the same thing. I know. We did it last year, too. Is this just a straight-up pick them? Yeah, this Nebraska. is straight. I, I picked Nebraska. I think Nebraska is going to have a, quote, breakthrough season. I don't They're even 12, think it's going to be A 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I don't I. It's probably a two-touchdown. They were a 12-and-a-half-point favorite around that against Illinois last year and lost. So, so you're saying I shouldn't bet on them. Just saying. I'm not betting on the game, just in general. But... Um, then our, our second game we've got um, on here, UConn 
terrible versus Utah State, who's not that much better, to be honest. Even I Utah mean, State used to be they're pretty not terrible. They're UConn is very very bad, and Utah State's just bad. But UConn is a twenty-seven and a half point dog. We're doing a a um, we're doing spread this on this spread? one. I'm picking UConn plus twenty-seven and a half. Where is it? It's at Utah State. Isn't uh, plus eighteen hundred? Who's the coach? Line. Jim Moore is the Jim coach, Moore is right? The coach. At UConn. Yep. Oh man, Utah State played Michigan State tough a couple of years ago. I man, don't buy that they're bad. Are they really that bad? They're not great. I mean, UConn is one of the worst top bottom five to seven. They should in the be in FBS. F- yeah, they should be in FBS. They shouldn't play football. Boy. Okay. Man, that's tough because it's the spread. Uh, Twenty-seven and a half. Twenty-seven UConn. And a half. I mean, four tutties, that's a lot in the opening game. I don't know a thing about Ohio or Utah State, whether they've got you know guys coming back or whatever. Uh, I'll pick UConn, too, just based on the fact that I think a former NFL head coach and former coach, I think, at Washington, right? UCLA. University of Washington. Oh, UCLA. I think, um, I think that's got to be worth something, even though he's probably playing with a bunch of guys that Ryan would play in rec league basketball yeah. in Holland. I'll I'll go with UConn. I honestly I think I might pick Utah State um, on FanDuel, but I mean the I'll money lines are. I mean UConn's plus eighteen hundred, Utah State minus thirty five hundred. So yeah, I mean straight up, but Utah State all day. But against yeah. the spread, I mean yeah. that's a lot of points even on the sixty road. and a half is the over under. That's probably saying that UConn loses by crap done. But um, then next we got uh, Wyoming at Illinois. We're doing the spread on this one as well because it's. Um, it was oh now it's nine and a half, crap! It was ten and a half earlier when I looked at. I'm taking Illinois minus nine and a half. Illinois is getting nine and a half. Yeah, they're a nine and a half point favorite. Oh, at home against Wyoming, they're given nine and a half. Um, at home, yeah, it's not Josh Allen's Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, I'll take Illinois. I I can take them to win. I I could see them winning by ten or fourteen points. And then we're gonna we got straight up for the last four. Um, next, we got Charlotte, uh, the 49ers at FAU, the Owls. Um, FAU, coached by Willie Taggart. Um, I'm going with FAU because that, because. Um, oh, for the next guy? No, no that, he's FIU. FIU. Um, I'm just going to go FAU. They have a former, I think Miami's old quarterback is their quarterback. They have a lot of, like, old. Yeah, old cast off guys from Florida schools. Charlotte's not been bad. They have a, Will Healy, I believe, is their coach. He's What's pretty the, good. Do you have the spread on that game? Uh, it's minus 7.5 FAU. All right. I'll go FAU as well. Okay. And then we got uh, North Texas versus UTEP. This is virtually a pickup. Green, green. Uh, North Texas is a 1.5 point favorite. Um, it's at UTEP. I'm going with the Miners. The Miners and the Sun Bowl there. That's a sweet stadium, too. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I'll go with the Mean Green. Got to be different. Their coach is on the hot seat. North Texas, yeah. they got to get a win against their in-state rivals then. Then we've got uh, second to last here, um, Nevada, the Wolfpack at New Mexico State. Fun fact, you know their head coaches now in New Mexico State? Steve Alford. Jerry Kill. Really? He's yeah. still alive? Yes. That's crazy. Uh, Nevada is an eight and a half point favorite on the road. I'm going with the pack. Yeah, I'm going to the pack for sure. Steve Alford against Steve Alford, right? Yeah. Aren't those? No, he was at he was at New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico, not not New New Mexico Mexico State. State. Yep. And then um, last one of the week, um, Vandy traveling very very far 
to Honolulu to play the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. Um, they're a six and a half point favorite. Vanderbilt is if that tells you anything about Hawaii, because Hawaii or Vanderbilt is probably the worst. Probably them and Duke are the worst two in Power Five. Uh, I'm going Vandy. I'm going Hawaii because the jet lag is real. True, that's the a night game. Heat, the humidity, nervous. although they'll have the heat and humidity like that in Nashville. Um, you know, they're going to take them to a luau, give them some, you know, some fat stuck pig. They're going to overfill them. I'm going to go with Hawaii just to be different, too. All right. Well, not a game I'm going to be betting on, though. Don't know enough about that. That is week zero. All right. Again, if you want to participate, hit Ryan with a text, hit him with a hit our Twitter or whatever. Let us know. We'd love to have some, some guys just to kind of chime in. Uh, maybe week over week, if we get after a while, we get some guys in the lead. You can come on and, and pick with us and and be in, you know be a part of the segment with us. Um, I used to do that on the final score website back in the day. If guys would beat me or whoever had the best record for the week, they got the guest pick on the blog with me. So we'll do the same thing here. All right, moving on to our sprint. Ryan, we talked about this a little bit at dinner tonight. If you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, or if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, do you swap among many other things that they're going to be asking for, you know, high draft picks, et cetera, et cetera, a guy like Jaron Jackson to secure KD? No, because KD's just going to flank. I mean, he's great. He's one of the best players of all time, but he's an injury waiting to happen, kind of an issue in the locker room, and who knows how long he's going to last. Right, and Jackson. Jackson's Jackson is very he's, he's younger than me. He's injury prone, too, but he does have such an upside. I agree. Upside is, I do not. I stick. I mean, I know why. They're probably entertaining it like he might be the last piece. I don't know. I, I think you got a good young nucleus. They've got five first-round draft picks in the next few years. Like yeah, the they're Pistons. young and good. I would, I would not. I think you can use that to leverage an, another guy that's going to fit in your locker room better, so I'm with you on that. Sprint spot two, regardless of actual reason, is it ever okay for even a guy like Tom Brady to be absent from two no, full weeks of no, preseason camp? Especially when a bad look. the rumor is it was for tryouts for the Masked Singer. That's one of the bad things look. I heard. Um, I agree. I don't care if you've won seven Super Bowls. You're, what That says you're above the team. It says you're not willing to sweat and, and whatever with, with the team. You might be working out. I'm sure he's working out on his own, whatever, but... You're not repping with your receivers. You're not in the in the you know Tampa Heat with your with your teammates. I am not a fan. I don't think it's a good look, and I th- would be surprised if Tampa doesn't falter a little bit because of it. To be honest with you, especially when he retired and unretired. If anything, that's a time for you to be. If you look, if you got other things going on that are more important than football, then don't play football anymore. That's what I would say. Spot number three: Does Urban Meyer coming back to Big Noon kickoff make you less likely to watch that? I'll still watch it. I just think he's a slime he's an ball. idiot slime ball, but he actually very insightful and good coverage. I think, and I'm sorry, love the old coach Lee Corso, but he's like on his deathbed and incoherent. And I mean, I want a guy that's going to break it down and not some stupid ass smile like Desmond Howard, who doesn't know anything except for go blue rah rah. No thanks. I'll, I'll still bear? watch it. Yeah, the bear, aka the. Special guy. <laughs> All right. Um, spot number four. You can only pick one of these forevermore. Today you're deciding and you're giving up one or the other. You can attend and watch Michigan State football the rest of your life, or you can attend and watch Michigan State basketball for the rest of your life. You have to pick one. Football. 
Really? Yeah. The tailgate, that, it's just the pageantry of college football. I don't... Yeah, I, I, I love it. Yeah, boy, that's... Even when I came up with a question, I'm like, this is tough because... Michigan State basketball has been such a thing, and I love basketball anyway. I love college basketball. But you have the tailgate, Ryan said. I mean, it's less games, going to game. I don't know. There's something different about college football games. Man, this is a struggle for me. I mean, in here, we both picked Michigan State basketball games as the two most important games for Michigan State in the 2000s over football. (sighs) Boy. Man, I don't know what I would do. I guess I'll let tailgating be the tiebreaker, even though my doctor at my physical today told me that my fat ass needs to lose some weight, and I warned him it was going into drinking season. <laughs> Fortunately, he just laughed. I'll go MSU football there as well. All right, Ryan, close us out. Uh, final score 35. Um, follow us on TikTok if you want to see. We're gonna We're going to do it. I think I don't know if it'll be for the first game, but I'm gonna do it for one game. I'm playing it. I'm gonna do a TikTok of just the tailgate, you know, the the lead up to the football game, the Michigan State game. We're gonna make one. We're gonna go viral. Yeah, it's at ag Spartan fan thirty five is the, is our TikTok. We're doing it. Yeah, we can we can do a little bit of that. I mean, we've gotten some. Kind of, we've gotten kind of sweet. I do have one TikTok that was three hundred and thirty thousand views. So more once in that. a while, some people will pay attention. More. But yeah, hit us on Twitter, the final score thirty five or. AG Spartan fan 35 is is our final score uh, or the final score host I think if you wanted to look for it on TikTok let us know you want to participate in the pick'em whatever um, shout out to our presenting sponsor neighbors friends great realtors great people the Anders uh, go to teamanders.com if you have West Michigan realty needs the market here is still pretty white hot even though interest rates are climbing meantime as the great Jimmy V said and I found this as appropriate as college football season kicks off this weekend. Be a dreamer. If you don't know how to dream, you're dead. What he's saying? Dream for your team. You got nothing to lose. <laughs>